Well, welcome to you. If you came in during the worship, you're very welcome. It's good to see you. Just very mindful in these days that there's lots God wants to do. We're just very, very uh, uh, aware of it. And we want to welcome what God wants to do. There's things that have built up over this last year that we know God will want to bring healing and release to people. But there's also those that God is bringing to us, connecting to us in different ways. And uh, I don't know exactly when the recording starts, but I just want to say, if you are watching this uh, online uh, on our YouTube page, you're so welcome. Uh, If you're looking in uh, and just reflecting, just thinking, uh, we just want to say you're so welcome and you'd be very welcome to, to be here. Thank you for your understanding with the chairs. We're, we're working on those week by week in different ways. And uh, we may need to move them around a bit more um, to get more people in. Gradually, we'll be certainly doing that over the next, next weeks. But I uh, just want to encourage you, if you've been looking in from a distance, you'd be so welcome uh, to be here with us and among us. A couple of uh, quick notices just to highlight to you. One, just to remember uh, Donna. Donna's gone back to London uh, this weekend with her uncle and aunt. She's got the connection there. Very early tomorrow morning, she flies out again to Burundi. And will be out there, God willing, at least until July. Um, she just wanted again to say thank you so much for everyone's prayers and support and encouragement. And uh, just to say the various tests and so on that she's had have really, in many ways, have all come back quite clear. So we really thank God for that, um, because there was some concerns about things. There is, it is a challenge living in that environment, and she does have some ongoing health issues. So we uh, really need to continue to pray for her. But pray for her as she goes back to be with the team there. They've got a really busy season now coming up of planting and church planting and all the things that they're involved in. So do continue to, to pray. And uh, COVID is there in that world of Africa, although it's not recognized so much as it is here, and that can be a challenge in itself. So do, uh, do be praying uh, for them. Just to say on Wednesday, uh, we're going to be together online. I'm hoping very soon we'll be able to gather again as a, as a prayer meeting uh, in here. I think this Wednesday we'll be online and actually our Zoom prayer times have been really good because we're able to see each other and talk to each other across the screens and pray uh, pray for one another. Thank you to Steve. Sorry, I'm looking here. He's already gone. Thank you to Steve for leading us in prayer uh, for India. I think certainly again, be good to be praying, continue to pray for India and there's a number of churches that we have personal connection with. Um, so I'd love us to pray for that. But Wednesday evening, I'd love us to just spend some time sharing, praying together We'll do that on, uh, on Zoom this time, but that may be one of the last times and we can begin to do that publicly here, which will be good. Also, just on, on talking about Zoom and online things, just to remind you, next Saturday morning, our family of churches all over the world um, are going to gather. They're going to gather um, on uh, the connection, hopefully, that you've seen on our weekly news. We've been posting it, um, but... Literally almost the four corners of the world, people are going to gather in to pray, to worship. Uh, next Saturday morning, the link, uh, it's 10 o'clock. Um, there's been a bit of confusion about the time. It's because our clocks have changed. Um, but as I understand it, it's 10 o'clock uh, our time for us. Um, and uh, we'll be able to pray uh, together, for, particularly for Asia. 
And I'm sure, again, India will be a part in the prayers. So just really want to commend that to you. And I know it just gives us a vision of the family that we're part of um, and the world that we're part of. And just seeing people coming in from the Middle East, from Asia, Africa, the Americas, it's just, and different times of the day, very different to ours, some of them in the middle of the night and so on, but committed to coming in, praying together. So uh, that's good. Well, you'll, you'll be very aware um, that uh, we're just really, for a, a season, for these next weeks, months, really just felt it was significant for us as a church to look at, explore, and uh, really dig into the whole subject of life in the Spirit. And uh, I don't know how long it will take, but what I do know is that I don't want us to rush. I want us to be open to what God is doing and saying. But I, I just feel that it's something that some of us know lots about, or historically we've been aware of. Others of us, we would say, actually quite a lot of this is quite new. And there'll be many of us that are mixture. Uh, in between. And so we are just taking some weeks to do some introduction, some re-reminding, strengthening of our foundations. I'm even aware myself that we we can talk about historical experience. Some of us can talk about things that happened years ago. Do you remember when? And we'll do that, and that's good. Uh, Do you remember when God came in power, when the Holy Spirit swept through a meeting, or uh, things that might have happened, maybe a conference you went to, or a a, a place that you visited because God was at work. But one of the things I'm so aware, even for myself, is that we can live in the past, but actually God is saying, I'm a God of the present. I'm the God of now. I loved uh, what... um, Susan said that the same God of Jericho, the God that was with them there in Jericho, that saw those walls came down, is the same God who sees walls come down today. And we can sometimes forget that. Uh, We can sometimes, uh, as it were, um, put ourselves back in that situation. And it's not that God wants to work. uh, We're saying, okay, he's going to work in the same way today. But he's the same God, and we know he comes in power, and he wants to work in our lives in all sorts of different ways. And so we're just digging into some of these foundations at the moment and revisiting. So forgive me if some of you say, yeah, I know these things. I want to say, if you find yourself saying, I know some of these things, I want to encourage you to ask yourselves, do you really know it? Do you really know it? And if you do really know it, what's, what's the difference is that making in your life now? What what What's the implication, what's the impact of that in the workplace, at the school gates, across the neighborhood fence, etc., etc.? So we're just looking at this whole subject of life in the Spirit and really looking again at the foundations. We will come to practical things, but I also feel that actually God is going to teach us practically on the road. Even this morning, there are things happening. There's Mike sharing a a word of knowledge, something that he feels God's shown him. You might say, was that prophetic? It it does have a prophetic element, but it's something quite distinct. It's a picture for somebody here, maybe, or maybe a couple of people. What I want to to say is, I want to encourage you, if you say, that picture of that key, it really spoke to me. Can you tell Mike? Because that will encourage him. 
And when we get these words of knowledge, we need to tell one another because you've got to be quite brave to get up the front here and say, you know, um, I've got this word about an Achilles tendon, you know, whatever. If anybody does have a word about Achilles tendon, they can always come and pray for me, all right? So that, that's fine. But, you know, you've got to be quite brave to do that. But then if you go to that person and say, you have no idea what you said and how much it meant to me, that builds faith, all right? It builds faith. It strengthens um, when God comes, he, he, he will meet people in power and they'll get impacted in different ways. We're not expecting everyone to fall over or fall down, but sometimes the power of God comes in such a way that somebody may fall down. And dear Jack there, God meeting with him in power and Ashley's ministering to him and continuing to do that. So we will dig into some of these things practically. We will talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I want to do that in the weeks to come. I want us to look at the fruit of the Spirit as well. It's another great subject. So we're going to take some time, but I also believe that God is going to teach us on the road. <laughs> is that okay? And some of you are going, oh, this all feels a bit... But this is what I believe God wants to take us in this church. That profound prophetic word we were given a couple of years ago by Rodney is that we are to become a maturing, fruitful people. And that was a word over us as a church. And I believe God has a, has a, a role for us as a body uh, here on the island. I believe there's, there's words over us. I believe there's, a, there's something that God is inviting us to model and to display, and I, bring, I believe he will bring others who will want to come and see and, and find out and know more. But it, it will be a bit messy. It will be a bit, uh, we'll, we'll need to find our way. But he's a God of love, amen? amen. And uh, I believe he doesn't come to uh, disrupt us in a way that destroys us, but he disrupts that he might build us and strengthen us and grow us. I'm just really going with real freedom here, Mike. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, got, I've got a prayer person here praying so others can pray. I've been thinking about this phrase, being led by the Spirit. What does it mean? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it, what does it look like? How does it happen? These are good questions. I think we're going to learn about them uh, in the days ahead. Here's a question for you. Can you be a Christian and not be led by the Spirit? Can you be a Christian and not be led by the Spirit? Now, I don't know what opinions are here in the room I wonder if some might say, well, some Christians really are led by the Spirit. But I'm not sure that everyone is led by the Spirit. It's an interesting one, isn't it? What does it mean? What does it look like? I'm going to make a statement here. If we are born again, the Spirit of God is alive within us. Shaping our minds towards God. Leading us into life and peace. But we are not robots. We're not 
taken over. We, we, there is an activation that needs to happen from within us. We respond to the work of God that is within us. There is a truth, no man, as we'll read in a moment, no person can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit of God. And we are born again by the Spirit. But so often, particularly if we've been walking with the Lord a long time, but it can be true for us as new Christians as well, we have questions. Do we, do we know what this really means? Have we grasped it and are we allowing it to shape us? Well, one of the, the great chapters in the Bible that talks about all this is Romans chapter 8. All right, just, just in case some of you are going, goodness, Mark, are you going to preach through Romans 8 today? Um, not all the way through it, all right? <laughs> just going to take a little bit. But Romans 8 is just one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. The whole of Romans 8 is one of those ones you can mark in your Bible to read and reread and read again. Okay, uh, I've, I've written it out here, but I've also got it here uh, in, uh, in my Bible. Uh, when, I, when I turn to Romans 8, um, I've also got two other, Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, uh, those are written. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1, you'll find Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 5 written there. If you go to 2 Corinthians 5, you'll find Ephesians 1 and Romans 8 written there. They're three just great, great, glorious chapters that speak about uh, who we are in Christ and the great truths of the gospel. But let me read just the first uh, 17 verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, the sinful flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. This word flesh is the the sinful flesh, the the sinful uh, desire away from God. Those who have, live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Let's say that together. Life and peace. Come on. Life and peace. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm 
under the rule of the flesh, but you are under the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, hear this, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation not to the flesh, to live according to it. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to, deed, put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Let's say those words, children of God. Children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And that includes all the ladies as well. All right, your sons. It's a legal thing. It's an inheritance thing. You've been adopted as the firstborn to receive the rights of the children of God. Women, you're called sons. Men, you're the bride of Christ. Okay, And by him we cry, dear daddy God, Abba. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. This is the adoption bit that makes you sons. We are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, that we may also share in his glory. Oh, Lord, we love your word. It's so deep, it's so rich, it's so vast. We're only just going to scratch it for a few moments now, but we ask, Holy Spirit, revealer of truth, revealer of Christ, revealer of the Father, Holy Spirit, would you reveal a measure of truth to us today that we can comprehend and grasp and understand as we open your word together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing, O God, in your sight. Amen. There's a description here of comparison, comparing between those who don't yet know Jesus, those who don't have the Spirit of God within them, and those who do. There's a comparison. And each of these two types of people have a bias. I love sport. I'm looking forward. There's lots of sport coming up in the summer Um, the Olympics and so on, the World Cup, there's all sorts of things. One of the things that I love to watch, um, it's a funny old sport, but is bowling. 
You remember crown green bowling, but the whole thing of bowling? Because I love people who have a skill and the accuracy. The thing about those big bowling balls, uh, many of you will know, is they have a bias. There is a weight. There is a bias on one side. One of the things I find so amazing is when a ball gets bowled and to within sometimes millimeters the accuracy to which people can bowl it. But they have to work with the bias. And so the, the ball is there in the middle, and they start off by, and you think, what are they doing? They're bowling over there. But as they bowl, the bias brings it round. The bias brings it within millimeters sometimes. Incredible, the skill. And it comes from experience. There is a bias in our lives. Romans 8, 5 those who live according to the flesh have their minds. There is a bias on what the flesh desires. In fact, Paul says, as we read, verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. They live in and with a, a totally different mindset Governed by the flesh, hostile to God, and one that leads to death. And I think what's important for us to know, as we're witnessing, as Mike was encouraging and provoking us, as we are sharing with people, as people will confront us at times, as people come in, we need to be grace-filled and merciful and friendly towards those. Because there is, the Bible says, there is a bias. There is a desire away from God. And so we're not to get angry with people. We're not to reject them. Jesus didn't do that. We're to understand that there is a, there is a bias within them that leads them away from God and the things of God. But, <clears throat> but by his grace and mercy, God opens their hearts and he opens their minds that they might receive the power of his word they might receive life in the Spirit. So I just want to commend you that as I believe God will bring different ones to us, as you will find yourself connecting in the days ahead, I want you to have a soft heart towards those who don't yet know Christ. Because there, there is something that is pulling them constantly, pulling them away from Him and away from the truth. We need to be aware of that. But there is also a great and glorious truth. A miracle has happened. If somebody says to us, do you believe in miracles? I can say, absolutely, we've got a church full of them. The whole trajectory, the whole bias of our life has been changed from death to life. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of life now lives within us. And those who live accordance to the Spirit have their minds, have a bias on what the Spirit desires. And it's one of life and peace. Doesn't mean our lives are perfect. Doesn't mean that all the problems go away. But there is a desire now that is changed towards God. Towards the things of His Word. To live in obedience to Him. To honour Him. To worship Him. To glorify Him. To display Him in our lives. Come back to that in just a moment. That's why Jesus talks to Nicodemus about the importance of being 
born again. In John chapter 3. Now, you remember that story? We've alluded to it a number of times just recently. How can somebody be born when they're old, Nicodemus says. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus replies, I tell you a deep truth, John 3. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. One of the things we love about... uh, Believers' baptism. We're looking forward, aren't we, to some more baptisms in the days to come. But that picture of baptism is, I have died with Christ. We're plunged under the water. Or, uh, if, if necessary, a big bowl of water is poured over us. But a picture of, I have died with Christ, but I've also been raised with him. And I'm now seated with him. I'm born of the water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. There is something completely new going on. It's not just an addition to something that already exists. No, the old nature, the flesh dies, and I'm born again of the Spirit of God. Somebody needs to say hallelujah, even if it's quietly. All right? Let me just highlight something here. Christianity is not a family tradition that just gets handed down. We need, to, we need to know that. Mums and dads, it's important for us as we're witnessing to our children. Um, one of the things you'll, you'll know with my dad passing on, uh, my dad had copious bits of paper that he required me as the eldest son to have and to look at and to read through, uh, all of which is good. But one of the things I'm not sure I had ever known before I found out last week is that my dad's grandmother, so my great-grandmother and uh, my children's great-great-grandmother, gave her life to Jesus at a tent mission in Gloucester when she was a teenager, approximately 1890. So my great-grandmother was born again at a tent mission in Gloucester. She gave her life. She was born again by the Spirit. But that was not then something that was just handed to my grandfather, Gibson Thornet. Gibson Henry Thornet, by the way. He was a very ramrod man who didn't smile very much. But I remember him well. He was a postmaster. I'm I'm now going in. Yeah, okay. Right, don't go into the family history. But her faith, that teenager who I gloriously give thanks for giving her life to Christ at a tent mission in the 1800s, that when she gets married, but yes, she's witnessing, yes, she's telling stories, but she doesn't make Grandfather Gibson a Christian. There is a moment when he gives his life to Christ. There's a moment where my dad, and I know he's talked about it, uh, finds himself in a brethren assembly Uh, but he knows one day there's an invitation to take the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. And, uh, and, and, and he knows that he needs to be right with Christ. And, and then he takes the Lord's Supper as a decision. But he's made that decision. Gibson and Eileen, my, my grandparents are not putting that on. It's not inherited. And then there comes a day, and I can't tell you one day when I gave my life to Christ, except that that at the time I was terrified of going to hell, so every night I gave my life to Jesus just in case, as a little boy. 
But I know there were moments, and I know my baptism at the age of 15. I know at the age of 15, uh, I sat there, and there was this uh, young teenage lad about my own age, and he'd been prepared for baptism for weeks. He had white jeans and a white shirt. Do you remember those days? Um, Some of you are going, no, I have no idea what you're talking about, Mark. But he'd been all prepared. And then the preacher said, this afternoon we're going to baptize in the baptistry here. Um, if anyone would like to be baptized. Well, I'd been baptized by full immersion as a baby, and that's another story. Literally full immersion as a baby, in and out. Um, but that was an exclusive brethren thing. But I knew that there was a decision for me as an understanding person to choosing to follow Jesus. And he spoke, this preacher spoke on Jesus being baptized. John the Baptist says to him, you know, you, don't be baptized, I should be baptizing you. And Jesus said, no, this is right. This pleases the Father. And that phrase, I can still hear myself saying it to this preacher afterwards. I, said, I turned to my mum and dad, I said, I need to be baptized. And they looked at me and said, great. I said to the preacher, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Whether I'd been christened, whether I'd had that full immersion, there was a choice, a decision as that 15-year-old. And so that afternoon, with black trousers and a stripy shirt, I wasn't that prepared. But you see, God's not looking at that outward appearance. He's looking at my heart. And I knew it was right, and I took a decision, and I was baptized in a freezing baptistry. Christianity is not a family tradition that gets handed down. Yes, there can be lots of Christian teaching shared, lots of Bible stories, but each one, however young, responds personally to the gospel, to the offer of salvation, repentance, turning towards God, putting our faith, being baptized. It's not a club that you join for a bit of company and a sing-song. It's about supernatural birth into a new life, one in which the Spirit of God lives in you. Verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ lives in you, miraculous verse, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Such a privilege uh, two Saturdays ago to sit with my dad and to, to read this scripture to him. There's something more than the flesh that is fading away. There's something more than, 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 than the body that is just dissolving. It's a spiritual life. Life in the Spirit which goes on into eternity. Spirit gives life because of righteousness, because I am right. I still have this body of flesh, but I am right before the Father because of Jesus. So if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, if you're not sure if the Spirit of God lives in you, then you can know. You can be sure. Just very quickly, literally as I finish, there are two results or two consequences that I want to highlight from these verses. The first is an assurance or a guarantee of eternal life. If Christ is in you, verse 10, 10, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
And we are clear now, all right? If I've surrendered my life to Christ, the Spirit is alive in you, yes? Okay, the Spirit, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, so the Spirit was there at the resurrection of Jesus, is living in ye, in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, let's say it, will also, let's say it in belief, will also, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. There's a new life. And so we have an assurance. Death is swallowed up by life. If the Spirit of lives in you, then will also the one who raised Jesus also raise you. Also raise you. And that's not just something for the future. It's something that starts now. Right now. 2 Corinthians 5, chapters 1 and 5. Uh, 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapters 1 and 5 talk about how God has set his seal of ownership on us. He's put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It's one of the things that gives us this assurance and this hope is that the spirit is within us. It's a deposit, but it guarantees what is to come. It's something that begins now. It's not something, well, I'm hoping, I'm waiting, maybe uh, I'll get through by the skin of my teeth. No, the Spirit has been put in me like a stamp. I'm sealed for the day of eternity. I'm sealed. It gives real hope. When people say, how do you have that peace? How do you have that hope? My dad was, a, was, was in a ward with, with a number of people who were suffering with liver damage many of them because of uh, abuse of alcohol and so on. And he had more than one conversation with people. And he said to me on the phone a couple of weeks ago, he said, he said Mark, their, their lives are so hopeless. And yet he was, he was able to say to me, even two days before he died, he, he was able to say, I have such a hope, I have such a peace. I have such an assurance. Where, where does that come from? We have a stamp in us. Spirit guaranteeing a deposit of that which is to come. Ephesians 1.13, Paul says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's what we're witnessing to. How can it be? How are you living this way? How is your attitude this way? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me, it's to the praise of his glory. It's not something I've found. It's not something I've made up. It's not something I've dragged from somewhere. No, I've been born again and I now have this seal within me. I have the Holy Spirit of God living within me. A deposit of life deep within. 
a taste of the age that is to come, which is to be known and experienced now. These are foundational things. And you're saying, well, what's the connection? You see, if we're going to begin to really live our lives in the Spirit, life in the Spirit, it's to know this truth. Because as we know this truth, what does the truth do? It sets us free. It sets us free. And so that's why we get hold of the truth. I have a deposit. I have a guarantee. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God now lives within me. And as I begin to grasp that, I then begin to walk in it. And this is my, my last point of application. So I have assurance, <coughs> excuse me, a guarantee of eternal life. The second point, which is this, we have a desire to live in accordance with the Spirit. As I get hold of this truth and know this truth, it begins to impact and affect the way I walk and talk and live. Because I have a new bias, a desire to walk after, to pursue the fullness of the Spirit in my life. In weeks to come, we're going to be saying, uh, we're going to pick up that verse, be being filled in the Spirit. Why? So that we might glorify God, that we might walk more and more in His way, knowing His truth, infecting the bias of my marriage, the bias of my work practices, the bias how I am at school and college, everything infecting everything, how I am in the neighborhood, how I am towards those who don't yet know Christ. The focus of my inner longing, if you like, has changed. I'm no longer consumed by trying to find satisfaction in temporary material things that lead to emptiness and death. My hope goes beyond the grave. It goes into eternity. It fixes its eyes on this inheritance. So I'm flooded with life and peace in the Holy Spirit. I begin to know his voice. I feel his presence. The fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control all begin to become evident in my life as I welcome the Spirit. The whole direction of my life, the attitude of my thinking, my actions, my speaking, change because now my mind is set on what the Spirit desires. Now this is a work in progress. It doesn't happen instantaneously. There will be things that will change immediately. There will be many other things that we will need to walk in throughout the rest of our lives. Let me invite you to stand. Let's stand. Hannah, could you perhaps come and serve us, help us for a few minutes? We've got just a few minutes together, which would be good. Jack, Jack is it all right to say, are you okay? You all right? Yeah? <laughs> it's, it's important for people to know that. But God's at work in your life. That's true, isn't it? And uh, there's more to come. And It's okay, all right? We're, we're pleased that... You're receiving what God's doing and it, it will carry on. Um, yeah. Just 
We just heard some great truth. Great, great truth. Bible truth. And we just have to let it sink in. what the Holy Spirit does. He is the one who reveals truth. He speaks truth to us. He shows us Jesus. And the truth sets us free. God wants to set us free again today. Each one of us are a, are a work in progress. Yes, we have died with Christ and we've been raised with him we are now new creations, but we know we still live in a, a body of flesh, as the Bible calls it. There are sinful desires that are still within us that rage against. But the Spirit of God is alive within us. Spirit who gives us life. He sets us free from sin and death. So I want to invite you again today that we come again today and we choose, we turn it's that big word repentance, but we, we choose, we acknowledge there are things that we've allowed to take our attention there are things where we've allowed to oppress us and push us down, but we turn from those again today and we, we, we look again onto the face of Jesus, we welcome the spirit of life we choose life again today I just want to encourage you right now, welcome the Holy Spirit to come and flood your mind. Where you find your mind gets led astray, easily distracted, away from the things of God. just want to invite you to say, Holy Spirit, would you flood my mind? The Apostle Paul, when he talks about spiritual languages, sometimes referred to as tongues, he says, I will pray with my mind and I'll pray with my spirit. It's not that we we said it many times, it's not that we empty ourselves, we fill ourselves with truth. So we say, Holy Spirit, come and speak truth into my mind. There's a battle for our minds. Right now, just, just say, Holy Spirit, come and flood my mind. No longer acts that lead to death, instead a mind governed by the Spirit leading to life and peace. Some of you have had fear, maybe fear about death, fear about sickness. just want to speak that assurance that the Holy Spirit gives. If the Holy Spirit, are you born again? If you've given your life to Christ, then the Spirit of God lives in you. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring you to eternal life. Now be assured. Receive assurance today. I have a hope. I have an inheritance that can never perish and fade, kept for me in eternity. Let the Spirit apply that to you today. Let joy begin to bubble up. An eternal hope. An assurance Fear removed. Peace flooding in. Flooding in. The peace of God. Not as the world gives. Not based on monetary security. Not based on uh, friendship security. But 
peace because I am Christ and Christ is mine. I'm in Christ. I've been filled with the Spirit. I've been born again. I have an inheritance. Just I pray across us as a body, across us as a people, a new, fresh desire to tune in to the Spirit. Tune in to the heart of God by the, by the Spirit of God. To welcome the Holy Spirit daily. Daily, as you wake up each morning, good morning, Holy Spirit. Lead me into truth. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know and understand you more that I might see the Father, that I might see the Son. I pray that that which once was natural, a natural bias away from God, despising God, rejecting God, I pray for that exchange in our lives more and more in these days, that our bias is towards the things of God towards his words towards worship towards surrendering to him that the the natural things of the flesh become unnatural I find myself recognising no that's not what I'm made for that's not what I've been born into I'm born into a new life I'm now a child of God do it Lord do it in us Lord I just invite you right now just as we finish Holy Spirit, fill me with truth. Fill me with truth. Truth of your word, this great glorious word. Spirit of revelation. Assurance. And desire to live according to your way. Grow that desire in me grow it in me. Help me my choices and my decisions. Teach me how to hear your voice. Open my eyes to see your hand. Help my feet to walk in your ways, guided by your words as your spirit reveals it to me. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we thank you that it doesn't stop as we go from this place. Lord, we we walk out in you, full of you. You're in us and with us. Help us in the days ahead to walk in you by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed, be encouraged. Um, For those who are able, Wednesday evening, it'd be great to see you online. We'll pray together. You'll be sent the link for that. Don't forget, you can chat outside. It'd be great to meet and greet each other outside. So let's do that together.